It's 12.09, Jeff Wick, WTMJ. All right, my first time on the air since the Sterling Brown video circulated. Let me share my thoughts in general with you, then we're going to open up the lines and we will talk about it. I approach this from a couple of things. First of all, I think it is almost impossible to evaluate the, the Sterling Brown interaction with the police without knowing the context. And we still don't know the full context. Here's what I mean. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. The area where this occurred is a crime-plagued area. They have problems with break-ins. They have problems with things like prostitution. Um, it, it is it is an issue. It is an area that is challenged. So now you're the cops. You roll up on this car, which is parked outside the 24-hour Walgreens illegally in two of two handicapped spots, and the police officer begins his investigation. Um, I think you can you, you can't hear exactly the interaction, but I think it's fair to say that Sterling Brown, while in my opinion not combative, is not exactly forthcoming with the police officers about what he's doing there at the time. And, and so this then sets the chain of events in motion, which ultimately leads to eight police officers showing up and, and him him being tasered. I, I do think there is some context. And I guess I look at this in a couple perspectives. First of all, I, I think had Sterling Brown been more forthcoming with the police about what he was doing there and had he been more compliant, this would not have happened. I believe that. At the same time, based on what I'm able to see in the videotape, it doesn't look to me like there's any justification for what the police do, which is escalating the situation by using the taser. All right, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Looked to like me like a police overreaction, but I, I think that there is blame to go around. And again, it would be nice if the police were more the police and the police chief and whoever. It would be nice if people were a little bit more forthcoming about you know all the details. You know what was going on here. Where was this investigation leading? Why Why was Sterling Brown there? All those different types of things, which I would assume will come out at some point in time. But so far, you know, nobody is talking about any of those. But I watched the videotape, and candidly, I'm pro-police. I, I, I think while Brown did nothing to help himself, I, I didn't see anything on that tape that to me justified the escalation of of, of force, the necessity to you, especially since there were so many officers around, to, to use the, the taser. If they wanted to take him into custody, you could have done it by other means. And so that that's kind of my assessment of this. You'd like to have the full context. I don't understand why they're not releasing all those details, who they're trying to protect. But at the same time, I, I, I look at that, and the, the tasing looks to me like it is is over the top. Now, so that, that's how I look at this. But it is interesting. At the same time, we are, and I mean we, I'm talking about the, the media, the local media, the national media, you know, talking about you know this particular incident and the police reaction to it. It was, and you, of course you've got members, I'm looking, members at the Common Council, you know, talking about how they need more information. Some officers need to be fired in connection with this, and, you know, we have to, you know, figure out how to, you know, move forward, public embarrassing incident, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and you have people expressing, you know, different degrees of, of outrage at, you know, what ended up happening to, to Sterling Brown. And that, that's been the story of the last 24 hours. Um, within the last 24 hours, there, there's been a, a criminal complaint that's been issued in connection with the murder of a 15-year-old boy named Dennis King. 
Um, if, if you haven't been following this, King went missing on May 11th. His mother told police that she knew her son had friends in the area of North 12th Street and West Keefe Avenue. According to the criminal complaint, there's a guy named Malik Terrell who has now been charged with first-degree intentional homicide in the death of this 15-year-old. Um, according to the criminal complaint, he and his relatives believed that this 15-year-old knew a guy named Jermaine, a person they suspected of stealing a video game system. Uh, Terrell brought the teenager to a home on May 11th to try to get him to talk about the alleged theft and tell him where Jermaine could be found. He then attacked the 15-year-old with a hammer, repeatedly beating him with a hammer. His brother and half-brother were present at the time, so they're torturing this 15-year-old. At one point, um, Terrell, that would be the murderer, told his relatives to lock him outside the house so he could force his way back inside, apparently to make it look like a home invasion. Terrell then called 911 and reported Jermaine and an accomplice had broken in and robbed them at gunpoint, taking the gaming system. He identified himself by his full name. Okay, he's not the smartest light bulb in the drawer. Gave the address on North 12th Street and said he had detained Dennis King. The caller became irate and ended the 911 call by simply stating he was going to kill the person he had detained. Meanwhile, back inside the house, Terrell told his half-brother to go find some lighter fluid. When the half-brother returned, he saw Terrell stabbing the 15-year-old to death in the neck. The half-brother left. Another brother who witnessed the beating later told the half-brother that he had helped Terrell move the teen's body to a vacant house using a garbage cart, and they had burned his body. Huh. Now, this is all because they thought the 15-year-old knew somebody who had been responsible for the theft of the video game system. So the, the torturer, the murderer, has now been charged. In addition, the mother, his mother and half-brother, have been charged with aiding in the crime and the attempted cover-up. Now, we, we have these two stories that, that are going on. One is the use of the taser on the Milwaukee Bucks player. And like I say, based on what I see in the videotape, it seems to me that that was, that was excessive given what was going on, even though I, I, I don't think that the Bucks player was necessarily fully compliant. But do I think he deserved to be tased? The answer is no. All right. People are outraged about that. At the same time, you have a 15-year-old who is essentially kidnapped, tortured, killed, whose body is dumped in a house that is then set on fire. And I, I hear no outrage at all from elected officials. I, I don't hear the common council, you know, calling on the, these, the outrage and calling on, you know, increased penalties and calling on the need to do things to stop this type of crime. Instead, you know, we're talking about this interaction between a Bucks player and between a series of cops and what I think could fairly be described as an overreaction by at least one of the police officers who looked to me like he had an attitude when he pulled up and didn't like the attitude the professional basketball player had. Okay, I, I get it, and I understand that people are upset about that. But in the grand scheme of things, what does it say about our priorities that we're spending all this time talking about this interaction and the use of a taser when at the same time you know, we have, we have 15-year-old children being kidnapped, 
tortured and then killed and then their bodies burned in the city of Milwaukee. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, seems to me our priorities are a tad out of whack. Just saying. 414-799-1620, if you want to react to that or any aspect of the Sterling Brown case, I am more than willing to discuss it with you. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the whole case has been candidly mishandled from the beginning on all different levels, but that's kind of how I see it. I, I think... He was not necessarily compliant. The police overreacted. But I'm a lot more troubled with the fact that you've got 15-year-olds being abducted and beaten to death and left in a burned building, maybe then this particular interaction. I don't hear the alderman talking about that. It's one eight. It's 1218. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. 1221, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, breaking news. Uh, the Journal Sentinel is announcing... They say they know what the discipline, at least, of some of the officers are. The first officer who confronted Brown on January 26th in the middle of the night outside the Walgreens was suspended for two days. Uh, the two supervising officers, the sergeants who came to the scene later, received 15- and 10-day suspensions. Others were reprimanded. This is far from some people demanding that they be fired and things like that. And you know what? This strikes me as being about appropriate. Um I think the police overreacted to the situation. I think there is some blame to go around. But I, I think that's about the right response for what happened here. Some people are going to want blood. I don't think this case deserves that. And my other point was, all right, we can talk about this. But let's also perhaps talk about the larger situation. And Maybe can we have as much outrage about the 15-year-old who was kidnapped, beaten to death with a hammer, whose body was dumped in a vacant building that was subsequently set on fire? Can we maybe be as outraged about that as this? Just asking. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike in Greenfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Mike. Hey, good Hi, Mike. afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? I think regardless of, of gender or creed, you know, race, religion, economic status, you know, there should be equal justice for everybody. I just think that media is expounding on the fact that we have a professional athlete, you know, more higher profile, and that's pretty much what they're doing. They're just, you know, it's all about selling, and it's about, you know, it's revenue. And if it generates any kind of revenue, they're going to expound on more sensationalism, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever events happening. And you know something, Jeff? I've lived here my whole life, I think, such as you have. And mm -hmm. my, my, this is my take. With Milwaukee is a great city. I think it's got had it's gotten a bad rap for being a you know one of the most segregated cities you know in the United States, and it's been like that for a while. So this doesn't help at all as far as the PR goes. But yeah. you got to remember too that there was a a, a a black gentleman punched at Mayfair Mall too, and that was a little bit different, different of a story and, and different outcome. But all in all, Milwaukee shouldn't be getting this bad rap segregated city to sell to sell papers and revenue and advertising and all that other good stuff. Yeah, well right think well and it, see and it's not just it's not just the media. I mean it, it's I mean, this starts with the, the mayor coming out saying, well we're gonna be releasing this and we want everybody to be calm and I, I'm not gonna prejudge this but I think it's pretty bad. What the hell was Barrett doing? I, I still it's just the way that they, they've handled this. The police chief who's ducking questions on all this and again I, I, I don't I'm pro-police, but I don't have a problem with saying things when I when I think 
there is an overreaction. The police are not perfect. And that that's kind of my take. I look at this video. Um, again, it would be nice if people would come out with the context of, you know, what what exact what was the guy do, what was Sterling Brown doing there? You know, could that maybe inform why he was I, why he, he kind of had a little bit of an attitude, but I, but I, it doesn't look to me like he needed to be tased. And I think that they, they exceeded it. And I, you, you've now seen some of this punishment that's out there, but all this outrage. Oh my goodness. This is terrible. The national story. And at the same time, okay, maybe we should just really focus on what the really big stories are, which is, for example, 15 year olds being, you know, murdered with hammers and, you know, dumped in buildings and burned because at the end of the day, Sterling Brown, and I, I'm not justifying what happened to him. All right, cops get suspended. That's fine. He's playing basketball at the end of that night. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Paul in Kenosha. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Paul. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, and uh, that previous caller pretty much spilled my ID. And that's pretty much it. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> 414-799-1620. Patty in Milwaukee. Patty, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Patty. I have two comments. Number one, um, the crime that you just described, mm-hmm. the first time I've heard of this crime, and I believe that uh, it just exemplifies the double standard that is Milwaukee. If that was a white family, it would have been on the front page of the Journal Sentinel and discussed for the last week on all the major cable channels. So, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, I mean, it, now it has been getting a bunch of press coverage, but you you haven't had you you haven't had members of the Common Council, you know, rallying, denouncing the crimes and and things like that. And you know, maybe there's a racial component to it. I don't care about that. I I just think it's an horrific crime, and I think we need. We, we need to be outraged by the horrific crimes that occur. I am yeah. outraged now yeah. that you brought it to my attention. Yeah. My second comment is I have to uh, apologize by disagreeing with you because I know you're much more esteemed. No, you don't have, you don't never have to apologize for disagreeing with me, Patty. It would be boring if we always agreed. You know, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Did you say those suspensions were paid or unpaid? I believe, I, I did not say. I believe they're unpaid. Okay. Um, a two-day suspension uh, for for this kind of embarrassment to the department, at the very least. Uh, but but that wasn't the guy that tased him. I, I think the the ten-day suspension for tasing someone, mm-hmm. uh, causing bodily harm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that uh, they, just by the discourse of their conversation, uh, mocking him, saying, "Well, what else are you famous for? Going to Venus, going right. to the moon, going to Mars." That that, that kind of it, it exemplifies an attitude that has no place in public service. At their age, you're not going to legislate it out of them. They, so, so would you have fired him? Yes, you would have. You would have fired him, Brett. Huh. Their job is public service, and to to address the public like that. Now, I understand they have difficulties. I mean, there there's times when their adrenaline is high, and I certainly can appreciate whatever behavior comes out when your adrenaline is is really high is totally understandable. But this was. A guy who was double parked at 2.30 in the morning, most likely his car was the only car in the parking lot. It didn't even deserve a parking ticket. It deserved, uh, you know, we're just curious, we we need mm-hmm. to ask why you're here, just tell us why you're here, and then just let him go. Well, I think, you know, and, and Patty, I, I, I mean, I, I, I can agree with you up to a point. I, I mean, I don't... Now, I, I think that the part of it, too, is that that's why it would be nice if everybody was forthcoming about that 
the context of this. Because keep in mind, areas do make a difference. And this is an area that's been plagued with various criminal activity and problems like, like I say, prostitution and things like that. So I think that's that's why the police are in a heightened investigation. What are you doing at 2 o'clock in the morning in this particular location? So I think that's why it's getting the added scrutiny. I do seriously wonder if Brown had been more forthcoming, might it have just been, okay, you got to move the car? Or, you know, could one of the officers, particularly the first one on the scene, was he just looking to get in an argument and looking for trouble? And I think, you know, you, you can disagree and people can talk about that sort of thing. But, I mean, that's what I say when I think you need the context. Firing the officers, I think, would be excessive. Um, we continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look at a couple texts. Eileen in Milwaukee doesn't think... I'm being fair to compare the lack of reaction to the brutal murder of the 15-year-old to the political reaction to what happened in the Sterling Brown case. She says, uh, to tase a man, to tase and manhandle a man over a traffic violation, a private parking lot. These officers did not serve to protect the public. They were looking for a fight. Um, Let's see, another text. Uh, if he would have kept his mouth shut and done as he told, then he would not have gotten tased. Um, let's see, another text. As a retired officer and one that has been in the hot seat, based on what I saw, the original officer's two-day is probably right. The sergeant that used the taser should have been demoted to patrol and suspended. The other, other sergeant should have been suspended. So essentially, retired police officer saying that they think the punishment is generally right. Um, let's see. Uh Let's see. Uh, the question is that Walgreens is at a 24-hour open location. Yes, it was. Uh, just curious. He might have had a reason to be there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I think that that's fair and I think that's one of the questions that, you know, it would be interesting to see if it becomes public in the reports as to what, what he was doing there and whether that possibly informed his response and all. Look, I, I, I don't think anybody's covered with glory here. And I mean, I, I understand that the police, I, I think the, it does. From some of the interaction, it looks like at least a couple of the police are spoiling for a fight. And then you got eight people that are showing up, and this is one of these examples of how this escalated. And like I say, I I don't think I did not see anything in that video which would have justified the use of of the taser. At the same time, I do think we need a little bit of perspective on this, given you know the, the outrage that we should have about other stuff that's going on in the community. Let's talk to Ben in Milwaukee. Ben, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, I think you're right um, with the officers being punished as they were. And I also think that Sterling Brown, this is a good time for him to show that he's a bigger man and like forgive the officers and then ask them, like, hey, how can we work together to make this situation not happening and what can I do to help that? And then maybe stuff like the murder of that 15-year-old may not happen because you have uh, somebody with a bigger platform who is able to speak out to some of these kids and maybe mm-hmm. make an impact with them. Yeah, I mean, I, and again, I, I, I mean, I was I was watching uh, national sports shows last night, and this this was not necessarily the lead story, but this was covered in all these stories. I mean, I understand because it's white police officers and it's a black professional athlete and all this, you know, it's getting the attention and it's, you know, we're all, we're focused on, you know, is this another example of race relations? But, you know, at the same time, I, I thought a lot of people were wrong here, in, including the, the police. And I, I just hate to see us distracted 
and you know by by things like this and i think it's a legitimate issue but at the same time there's so many bigger crime issues i i would love to have the mayor and the police chief and all these aldermen i'd love to have them have a news conferences denouncing the out of control violence that is going on in many of their districts that's that's what i think we'd really should be focusing on if we want to make the community better yeah i completely agree with that yeah. I, mean, I have a young daughter and i'm sometimes um, leery of traveling and going to some parts of Milwaukee because I don't know what kind of violence there's going to be mm-hmm. or what might spark. Like I'm more inclined to uh, take my family and move them away from Milwaukee because I don't I don't trust the city as a whole. Well, well, right, exactly. Thanks, and and it's it's beyond just gee. Are you worried about you know an interaction with the police? No, you're you're worried that you're you're going to be carjacked. You're worried that you know you're going to be. You know, robbed. You're worried that you're going to be shot. I mean, th- those are, are are the issues. And, and and yes, this is an unfortunate reaction that happened. And yes, I, I think again, I think some police officers overreacted to this. And yes, I think there deserves to be some certain suspensions or things like that. But 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 my goodness gracious, you know, these aldermen who are out there, you know, pontificating about this and all the statements that are coming out. You know, maybe you should start turning your attention to. Some of what I think arguably are as significant, if not at least a lot more significant things like kids getting murdered on a regular basis on the streets of Milwaukee, car thefts, which are so common that they don't even make the news anymore because they occur, carjackings on a regular basis, high-speed chases, all these different types of things. Start talking about the people that are perpetrating those things and, and maybe, just maybe, you know, we, we can start getting into an environment where people want to cooperate with the police. And again, I, I'm not defending, you know, what happened in this particular situation. I think there was an overreaction all around. But let, let's let's view the big picture of this. I'm sure more details will emerge at some point in time. We're starting to learn the discipline. Um, again, I, I think the sooner they release all the police reports on this, the sooner the community gets behind and is able to put something like this behind them. Nobody lost their lives. Sterling Brown shouldn't have been tasered, but he was playing basketball later on that night. And so that's, I think, the perspective you need to have on this. 1242, when we come back, well, lots of stuff on today's program. Um, The NFL anthem policy changes. Let's talk about that next. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, following a series sweep of the Diamondbacks. The Brewers' homestand continues as they meet the Mets for a four-game weekend series at Miller Park. Hall of Famer Bob Euchre is on the call. Our coverage starts at 635 tonight. Yeah, if you want to talk about something positive, look at what the Brewers are doing. You have that big road trip, 7-3, and three, outstanding for a road trip. They come back, they sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks. And this is, um, it's like our friend Wayne Larrabee always says, that it's not necessarily who you play, it's when you play them. Three weeks ago, Arizona was probably playing the best baseball of any team in baseball, and they've just completely fallen on hard times, part of which is the fact that they ran into the, the Brewers. But what what an outstanding game yesterday. I was at the first game of the series on Monday night. My wife and I went, the 4-2 to game. They won one to nothing on Tuesday night, yesterday afternoon, 9-2. to I never that thrilled about having my show preempted, but if it's going to be preempted for Brewers baseball, I love it when it's a nine to two game. And now a big series with the New York Mets. I'm going tonight. This I picked exactly the right year for my buddy Evan and I to to buy our 
season or 20 pack season tickets. So I've got tickets to tonight's game. Going to go check that out. Very much looking forward to it. If you can't get out to Miller Park, and and I'm telling you, this is a fun team. I am encouraging you. No, go buy tickets. I mean, all three games were well attended for the early part of the week. Uh, attendance was around like 27 or 28 or 29,000, but still lots of good seats. And now as you're getting closer to the weekend, this is a fun team to go watch. So go watch it and in person. If you can't, uh, you can hear the games here on WTMJ. All right, second story I want to talk about, second big story from the world of sports. I was listening to some of the talking head shows on radio and on TV last night, and people were absolutely outraged. And again, this again shows you, at least in my opinion, some of the liberal bias you see in the media. All these talking heads were just outraged over the NFL's policy regarding the national anthem. If you haven't been following this, of course, everybody knows the controversy. You had players who were protesting. They changed the rules. So here's what's going to happen moving forward. If a player is on the field before the game, when they're playing the national anthem, they expect the player to stand. So they don't want any of these kneeling, any of these protests on their dime. So if you're on the field, you got to stand. But if you don't want to stand, that's fine. Just don't come out on the field. So what the rule says is you are allowed to stay back in the tunnel or to stay in the locker room, to stay back off the field before they play the anthem if you don't want to stand. But if you decide you're going to come onto the field and be on TV and all that, then you have to stand. Now, I think this is actually the Goldilocks solution. I don't think this is too harsh. I don't think this is too lenient. I think it's just about right. You know, you're not saying, hey, you got to stand if you don't want to stand. But you're saying if you do come out during the national anthem, we are not going to allow you to hijack our TV time and engage in this protest. So come out and stand or stay back. But that's the choice. And I was listening to all these commentators. Oh, this is so terrible. This is a big win for Donald Trump. This is so awful. You know, we're um, just depriving the players of their free speech rights. Nuts to that. I think this is a good policy. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is a policy which accommodates the rights of different entities. It's not forcing the players to participate in the national anthem and stand respectfully if they don't feel that way towards the flag. Okay, fine. But it's also not saying we're going to allow you to hijack, you know, this event and create this controversy. If you want to protest, do it on your own time. I think this is an ideal solution. And people that are whining about it, well, I think they need to get a life. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a reasonable policy by the NFL to say, all right, if you're going to be on the sidelines, you have to stand. If you don't want to stand, stay back, come out after the anthem. To me, it is the perfect way to handle it. It is the reasonable way to handle it. And for some of the players that are upset about it and some of the lefty talking heads, Get over yourselves. 414-799-1620. I think this is an inspired solution. It was an obvious solution, and I give the NFL credit for adopting it. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1251. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm trying to think of examples. Um, let's say that your employer there gets a table for an award ceremony, you know, whatever your industry is. There's an award ceremony, and your employer says, all right, you know, we'd like you to come to the dinner, but there's there, there's a dress code. Gentlemen are expected to wear coats and ties, just for by way of example, um, and, and you have an invitation. They say, well, you don't have to go. But if you go, yeah, we expect you to wear a coat and tie. That, that's your choice. To me, that, that's what the NFL is doing here. They're saying, all right, look, if you come out on the field when they play the national anthem, we expect you to stand respectfully like we expect most people to do. If you don't feel you can do that, that's all right. We're not going to make you go against your conscience. Just stay back in, in the tunnel and come back, come out afterward. That's okay with us, too. But we are not going to allow you to use... The, the fact that you're going to be on TV to essentially cop, co-opt our sidelines before the game for you to stage your personal protest. If you want to protest on your own time, go with God and do it. Makes sense to me. Let's start with James in West Dallas. James, you're first. Good afternoon. Well, hey, Jeff. Hi, James. Uh, first of all, if you got any extra Brewers tickets, we just, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll it, talk off the air. Isn't, but I, I tell you, it, I, but we'll get to the, 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 but isn't it great to see the Brewers playing this well? I mean, it, oh, isn't it exciting? Yeah. And the weather's turning around, so it's real baseball season now. Oh, absolutely! No, I, th- this was the per- I, I had I was telling the Brewers owner this not to name drop it on opening day, and I said, you know, this this the fr- I used to go to games and stuff, but this is the first year I just broke down and bought the twenty pack, and I have not been sorry. It's just I'm enjoying oh, the heck out yeah. of it. Yeah. Anyways, so, I'm sorry. Uh, your point. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, a lot of a lot of what I'm seeing here is a really good illustration of how. Um, the NFL is responding to what the average viewer and what the average purchaser of an NFL ticket is expecting. Yes. And the talking heads and the people in the media being absolutely out of touch with how the average person feels about this. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like the, the right societal. It, yeah, it's it's kind of like the societal norm. You know, when if you go to an NFL game or you go to a, a, a Brewers game. And they say, "All right, gentlemen, you know, would, would you all please stand? Gentlemen, remove your hats." Almost, and then they play the national anthem. Almost everybody does that. That's sort of the societal norm, and it's like you say, the NFL is responding to that. But they're saying, "Okay, if you're one of the outliers, we're not going to tell you you have to stand to be respectful. Just stay the hell off the field while we're doing that." <laughs> and, and you know, your illustration earlier of the, of the fancy restaurant. Most of those, if you don't show up in a suit and tie, will offer you a sports coat and a tie mm-hmm. so that you can enjoy the meal there. Right. Yeah. But but the bottom line is you've got to you've got to you've got to play the game. That's the rule that they have. No, thanks a lot for the call, James. And hope I see you at a ball game sometime. I guess that's just sort of how I look at it. It's, and I think you make a great point. It's sort of the societal norm, and why the NFL I think has a right to do it is because these players aren't protesting on their own time. It's not like they're saying, hey, on, on Monday afternoon, you know, when you're, it's your day off or Tuesday, whatever their day off is, you know, it's not like we're telling you you can't, you know, go down to City Hall and stage whatever your protest is. You are protesting, though, on our dime. You're in our uniform. You're on our sidelines. You are on TV because TV is covering our game. And, no, we don't want to allow our game to be co-opted. Zach in Salem. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Real well, thank you. Did the NFL get this right? I I have to uh, 
agree with the NFL's decision here, but I also have to disagree. Okay, tell me why. I think that if they are playing in the National Football League, national, that means the nation, the country they live in, they shouldn't be allowed to even sit in the locker room. Oh, you think they should be made to stand up? I, I do, because they are playing in a game that everybody in this country is watching and paying for, like you said, mm-hmm. and you hit the nail on the head just a second ago when you said that. Hmm? The fans are there. We're watching it here. You know, be respectful. There's been a lot of people gave their life to be to have everything we have. Yep. So I don't feel like them even being allowed to sit in the, the locker room should yeah. even be a part no, of the question. You know, thanks for calling, Zach. I'm sorry. I wish we could have more time. I'm a little bit up against the clock, or else we'd, we'd discuss. I, I understand where you're coming from. I guess... I mean, I do think we we have we we have First Amendment rights in this country, and I, I mean, I, I think people do have a right to protest. Here's the bottom line of this, though. I, I mean, the, the truth is, my guess is that almost all of the players are going to come out and stand by the sidelines. So they were they were doing this kneeling thing in effort to get attention. In some cases, I think to call attention to them themselves as opposed to any cause because they were all over the map with causes. So my guess is the vast majority of people are going to come out, you know, anyways, and stand by the sidelines. I, I just, I think this is a, a good solution. Okay, when we come back, how old is too old? Stick around. 1259. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 110. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, prime time. Is that one word or two? I, I, I think, it, I think, it, I, I, you know, <laughs> the reason I ask is because there's some things that are like prime time, but when they say like prime time on TV, I think that's one word. Yeah, I thought so too. So, I mean, I think you can go either way, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say, in the context of like prime time, as in, hey, it's a prime time TV special. That that's one word. When you write out a tweet here, why, why are you asking? Well, well no, fair, fair question. Because I, I was listening to. You're going to want to get out of here before I start launching into this. I'm just giving the news guy advance warning. You're going to get you know because our, our, we the news guys play it straight, and I get paid to offer my opinions on stuff. Because I was trying to decide. I was listening to Eric play the two-minute response by the new police chief, Chief Morales. Um, and he played it in its entirety. And I, I had I had a reaction to it. And I was trying to decide if it was a four-word reaction or a five-word reaction. And, and I think it's four words. Not ready for prime time. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to spend much more time on the Sterling Brown thing. We, we spent 35 minutes in the first segment of the program. But this entire thing has been completely and totally, in my opinion, botched from the jump, from the minute it first happened, with the mayor getting involved and contacting the Bucks in the beginning. All right, so you, you have this thing, and, and we, can, we, we can debate about how serious this is or whatever. But I swear, I, I've never seen, well, never is a long time. It is difficult to imagine how you can take something and make it worse and make it more of a mismatch and mishandle it more than the police chief and the mayor and the city of Milwaukee have generally handled. How should this thing have been handled? It's easy. Instead of dribbling this thing out, well, we've got, 
you've got the assistant police chief who shows up at some community meeting on Saturday and, and I think starts blabbing when he's not supposed to. That's kind of what I've been told about, well, we've we've got this video that's going to be coming out and it's going to look bad for us, which then, you know, the word of that gets out and then they have to try to figure out what they're going to do and you've got the mayor coming out and saying things like, well, I, I, I've seen the video myself and I'm not going to comment on it. I'll let it speak for itself. Except, oh my gosh, I think it's terrible. <laughs> well, then, then blah, blah, blah. Then he goes to talk about and characterize the thing. And, and then you, you've got the police chief who's not at front on all of this. And he's given this, these remarks about how, yeah, did we reach out to some community groups and show it to them? And, you know, and then did we miss some and all? This is, you, you want to talk about, well, there's a word I can't say on the radio that just keeps coming to mind as to how you would handle this. All right, here's, here's how you, you handle this, or here's how they should have handled it. They should have played it straight. There shouldn't have been, gee, we're going to show this to a couple aldermen, or gee, we're going to show this to the Bucks, or we're going to show it to this person or that person. Play it straight. Here's what should have happened. Once their investigation is done, all right? The police chief comes out, stands in front of the cameras, and says, we've completed our investigation of this incident. We are now releasing the videos. Here's this. We are releasing the police reports in connection with this. We have decided that it was an out-of-policy. We have decided that a couple of people involved in this um, exceeded their authority or whatever. This is the discipline that we are ordering it is subject to appeal or, or whatever. And just put it out there all in one package and, and then let the public decide. Instead of this drip, 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 here some people have seen it, some people haven't. There's this speculation, there's that speculation. We're going to give it to some folks. It's just, it's been appalling the way this whole thing has been handled. And the police chief isn't getting better. Every time he goes, at, we, we talk about transparency. Well, all right, now you've got the media and people are saying, Okay, well, you know, what are the names of the officers? Why was this handed out? You know, why did you decide to do these things? I mean, it's just, if you would have just come out, released it in a timely fashion, put it all together in a package with the bow on it, this is what we found, this is why we're doing this, this is why Brown was there that night, this is what he says, this is why we're implementing this, boom, here it is, and answer questions, you make it a one-day story. Instead of this drip, 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 dragging on that's been going on for the better part of four or five days now, which isn't good for the community and it's not good for the city. And I mean, it's amazing to me, like I say, the way Tom Barrett has handled this from the beginning has been ham handed at best, at best, and appalling at worst. And the police chief is following suit. It just, it's just not the way you handle something like this. It could have just put it all out at once. Stand up, answer the questions, this is why we're doing this, this is what's happened, here's all this stuff, you guys decide, and then you move on. Instead of drip, 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 because now this is going to be going on for a couple more days. And again, the only thing I can conclude is the new police chief, based on the way he's handling this, and he wasn't even the chief at the time. If you want to throw Ed Flynn under the bus, throw Ed Flynn under the bus, he's gone. It's just appalling to me the way this is being handled not ready for prime time that's one word four words to describe this entire thing all right when we come back how old is too old and what really happened with the trump north korea thing stick around we'll talk about it all it's 116 this is jeff wagner wtmj 
119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Crew, who's producing the show today and always. This story would have bothered me a lot more two weeks ago. No, not my problem. <laughs> Milwaukee County. The Milwaukee, the clown car act that is the county board has just approved a non-binding marijuana legalization referendum that will be put on the November election ballot. Residents of Milwaukee County will be asked whether or not they think that marijuana should be legalized. Now, it, it here's the thing. It's, it's an advisory referendum. It has no legally binding weight. Um, and in doing so, well, it's sort of like kind of who cares about this particular thing. Um, if, if politicians, state legislators want to run on a platform of legalizing marijuana or not legalizing marijuana, then you could vote for them and it would be, you know, fine. But, but this, this non-binding referendum is just silly, especially since unlike, say, a referendum on a county wheel tax, at least then you're advising the members of Milwaukee County, you know, what they should vote on. Here, this is a state legislative matter. Now, you might say, Jeff, well, why do you care if they put this on the ballot? And again, since I don't live in Milwaukee County anymore, I really don't. But if you do live in Milwaukee County, it's costing you $15,000. $15,000. Think how many potholes you know you could fix with $15,000 to put this referendum question that has no significance at all, regardless of how you feel about the issue, Fifteen grand to put this on the ballot. Now, let us be honest as well. Uh, What's really going on here? This is an effort by the liberal-leaning Milwaukee County Board to try to help gin up votes in the 2016 election in Milwaukee County. One of the reasons that President Trump won Wisconsin is that Voters in Milwaukee County did not turn out in appropriate numbers to vote for Hillary Clinton, one of the Democratic enclaves. And I think what you see happening here is you have some of the liberals, guys like John Weishan, on the county board who are trying to put referendum questions on there, thinking that this is going to help Democratic candidates. Here, we'll put a marijuana legalization thing. Scott Walker, he's he's not in favor of legalizing marijuana. We'll put this on there, and maybe that will inspire people to come out of their parents' basement, dig the hash brownie out of their ear, and go down and cast a vote um, that they might otherwise not have, have turned out to. So th- th- this this is what this is. We're spending $15,000 to help try to gin up the, the pot voter to help elect Democrats. Um, again, fifteen grand. Eh, I don't live in Milwaukee County anymore, so that's how they want to spend your money if you're a taxpayer. I guess go for it. All right. How old is too old? And this is a, it's a difficult topic, but it's one I I want to discuss with you. The truth of the matter is that as we age, our skills atrophy. Most people, and I'll lump me into this category, I don't see as well now as I did when I was 25. I, I just don't. Don't run as fast as, not that I ever could run quickly, but I don't run as fast at 25 as, as I do at my current age. And my guess is that's probably going to continue to get worse if, as, I, as I age. I was bringing this up because Dianne Feinstein, you know who Dianne Feinstein is? She's, she's a very liberal Democrat senator from California. She's running for re-election to another six-year term. 
She's 84 years old, which means if she completes her term, she will be 90. But she's running for re-election at the age of 84. Nancy Pelosi, who is, of course, the very controversial leader of Democratic leader in the House of Representatives, she's 78. And she's running for re-election. Now, in her case, it's a two-year term, but, but she's 78. Lest you think I'm just picking on Democrats, you know, John McCain, who is courageously, you know, battling terminal cancer, he's, he ran for re-election to a six-year term in 2016. Um, he's 81. Yeah, he, he's 81 years old. Uh, Shirley Abramson, the, the former Chief Justice, now current Justice of the State Supreme Court, she's, she's 84 years old. And she's up for, I think she's up next April, and all indications are that she's going to run for another 10-year term at the age of 84, which means if she was elected to that, she'd be 94 or 95 when she completed her term. All right, I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do not get me wrong. I, I understand that... There are people who are, well, and the Supreme Court. I mean, you look at the Supreme Court. You've, you've got people who, you know, just refuse to leave. They, they serve, you know, when they're in ill health. They serve, you know, into their mid-80s or older because they, you know, they, they just don't want to give it up. At some point in time, should we have age limits? And what is it with these politicians? I mean, eight, you know, 84 years old. And we'll take Diane Feinstein because there's a big story about that. 84 years old. She's had an illustrious career. At some point in time, shouldn't it be time for people to say, you know what? It's time to pass the torch. It's time to pass the baton. Now, you might say, well, Jeff, you know, the elect, I mean, people could vote people out if, if they were concerned about this. Well, yes and no, because by the time, let's take a U.S. senator, you've been there for four terms. Um, you, you've raised a ton of money. You've got millions of dollars. You've got all these, you know, IOUs in the bank. Very difficult for somebody to take on one of these entrenched incumbents. But is there a point in time where it, it just sort of makes sense to say time for somebody else to, you know, take over? Is there a certain age where it just becomes too old? And what does it say about these politicians who just decide that they're they're going to hang on and hang on forever. I mean, she's eight. Diane Feinstein, she's 84 years old, running for another six-year term. Should there be age limits? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 126. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I don't want to sound ageist in this, but I'm, I'm looking through this. Nancy Pelosi, 78. I mean, John McCain, and who I consider to be an American hero, and he runs for re-election to a six-year term while he's dealing with the, the issues of, of cancer. He, he's 81. Diane Feinstein, 84 years old, running for a six-year term, closer to home. I mean, all indications are that Shirley Abramson, who's on the state Supreme Court, you know, and she's, she's 84, and if she runs for another term, that's a 10-year term, 94. 414-799-1620, Robin in Madison. Hi, Robin. Yeah, I don't think we can really set age limits, but I think a lot of these people are just clinging to power because they like it and they're addicted to it. Yeah. But I, I kind of hope that Justice Abrahamson runs again because if she does 
and Scott Walker is still in office, and she dies in office, and he gets to appoint her replacement, and he's going to appoint somebody who would stand for the opposite of everything she's worked for. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope, I guess, I say, I, I, look, I, I hope Justice Abramson lives to 105 or 110. I mean, I, I, thanks, Nicole, but I mean, I, I guess I, I look at this, and the, the reality is, I, I think, you know, people in their 50s have less energy than people in their 30s, and people in their 70s have less energy than people in their 50s, and people in their 80s have less energy, as a general rule, than people in their, their 60s. And don't get me wrong, I have a couple friends who are in their upper 70s, early 80s, who are incredibly vital and, and have a lot to contribute. But at the same time, term after term after term, I, I think at some point in time, and I, I've always been kind of reluctant about term limits, but term limits would be a way of dealing with this particular issue where, to your point, Robin, you have people that are just clinging to power it's just this idea that you've accom- I've accomplished a lot, but what am I going to do? You know, if at the age of 84, what am I going to do if I don't get elected to another six-year term? And, and yet they've amassed all this power, which helps them get elected again and again and again. I think term limits would be one of the things that would probably go a long way towards dealing with this. And like I say, over the years, I've always kind of had an attitude about term limits of, well, the voters can vote you out, but it's so difficult to defeat a sitting incumbent that the fact that once you're there, you get there for life. And I guess at some point in time, I just think for all of us, it, it's time to take a step back and say, okay, maybe maybe fresher ideas, maybe my pursuit or my retention of power, maybe it's time to let somebody else do that. And I don't know, 84 or 90 or 94, maybe that's way past that time. It's 131. Let's go to the WTMJ breaking news. 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Sterling Brown video is released. What happened and what was said? John McCure and Melissa Barkley walk you through the details. 3.20 this afternoon on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right. I appreciate a good prank as well as the next guy and maybe maybe better than some. And, and over the course of my life and my younger years, I, I like to think that I help be involved in some some pretty fun pranks, and I and I emphasize the, the word prank because there's a. It's sort of like you know pornography. It's tough to describe, but you know what you see when you see it. There, there's there's a there's a difference between a prank and criminal damage or things like that. Generally speaking, a prank is something which is harmless and in good fun, and it doesn't destroy anything, and doesn't cause too much damage, and doesn't cause too much effort to clean up after. And then there's you know where the prank crosses the line. But here's an interesting story out of Grafton. Now, keep in mind, Grafton has had a a couple issues with, quote, unquote, pranks. Um, You might, just if we go back in our Wayback Machine, about four, five years ago, actually, there was a situation in Grafton where they found a a 16-year-old boy laying in a a wooded, underdeveloped area near the Aurora Hospital in in Grafton. Um, What happened was... The kid, who was a high school junior, was out with a bunch of his buddies, and the kid fell down an embankment, you know, and, and hit his head. I mean, it was kind of a mess, if you remember this story. Um, Grafton High School had been toilet papered. Uh, officers observed several um, juveniles running in the area. The officers didn't chase. And what happened is 4.30 in the morning, the Grafton police get a call 
saying there's a missing juvenile, like a missing persons thing. They start to like check various areas of the village, and, and ultimately they're able to find this kid. Um, he was kind of messed up. Um, he had to be flown by flight to life to Children's Hospital, and you know, so it was. It was sort of a prank gone gone bad. They had toilet papered houses, they had toilet papered the school, and the kid falls down this embankment as he's fleeing and you know ends up hurting himself. So in doing this toilet papering stuff is apparently a rite of passage, I guess, up in Grafton. So here is here's the story. Um May 9th, there's five five kids who two are from Grafton. One is from West Bend, one is from Greenfield, and I don't know where the other one is. Um, what happens is, about 12.30 in the morning, a neighbor, kind of around the high school, right by like the athletic fields up in Grafton, calls the cops after seeing um, five kids get out of a car, you know, by the athletic fields. Now, what had happened about 20 minutes earlier is that a, a cop had seen this same car and stopped it, seen these kids, and apparently they had a large package of toilet paper in the car. So the cop comes upon these kids. They got a large package of toilet paper in the car. The driver, 17-year-old kid, said it's his mother's car, and it's her toilet paper. I don't know. Mom's got the flu or something. I, I don't know. The officer says... Look, kids, um, guys, do you plan to toilet paper the school? You, you better not be doing that. They all say, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't, we're not going to do that. Don't worry, officer. It's fine. So they've been stopped. They've been confronted by a cop. They've denied that they were going to do what they were going to do. And the police officer has let them go. So, okay, he's let them go. All right, don't do this. So, but, but that's fine. Go on your way. I'm not going to call your parents. I'm not going to seize the toilet paper. Just just don't do it, okay? So that's 20 minutes earlier. 20 minutes later, neighbor calls and says, hey, there's this car parked down there in this dead end, and there's all these kids that are getting out of the car. So the police go back, and they find the car. Same car that they had stopped 20 minutes earlier, except now that it's empty. All right, so now they start looking around, and they find the teenagers who at this point in time were were crawling like on their hands and knees through like this this brush and like woods and stuff with the toilet paper. So at this point in time, the cops now find them crawling on the brush with the toilet paper and say, <clears throat> okay, now, granted, as criminal masterminds go, these Grafton kids probably aren't exactly the brightest bulb, you know, in the drawer. But the cops catch them, right? So they're there with the toilet paper and all. And they're, they hadn't gotten around to actually toilet papering it. They were crawling through the bushes to, guess, I guess, get in position. At which point in time, the police officer says, okay, look, I stopped you guys a half hour ago. I told you, don't do this. I told you to go home. You did not go home. <laughs> Instead, you know, you went and did the same thing. And now, just like I saw you 20 minutes ago, now you've been busted. So they catch the kids. Well, here's where I think it becomes interesting. Instead of sending them on their way a, a second time, um, they've all been charged with prowling. Or the four adults, there's four of the kids are 18, one is 17. 
the four 18-year-olds and I guess the 17-year-old have all been charged with prowling, which I don't believe is a crime. I believe it's, it's like, again, a disorderly conduct. I think it's like an ordinance violation. But they've been charged with prowling for crawling around um, en route to trying to, uh, again, toilet paper the high school after being warned not to. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. They they didn't do any damage. They, they didn't even actually get around to actually throwing the toilet paper because they got caught not once but twice. But they were stopped, they were warned, and they just disregarded the police officer's warnings, and now they have been cited. Is this an overreaction by law enforcement, or did the kids get what they deserve? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should the police officer just have let him go? Kids are kids. This is just a prank. Um, here, I'll take the toilet paper. I'll send them along. Or were citations appropriate given what the lead up was? 414-799-1620. Did the police overreact? I will tell you where I come down on this in just a minute, but I'm kind of curious. If this was, I mean, if this was your kid or if this was you that was out there doing it, this one where you kind of get what you deserve, you were warned and you didn't listen, or is it, hey, Jeff, it's just a prank, no harm, no foul. How would you have handled it? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 148, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's the text. All I can say is it's a good thing the kids were in Grafton. If they were in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Police Department probably would have tased them. Ah. Okay, well, my flip side response would have been that this is in Milwaukee. Good chance is the teenagers would not have been carrying toilet paper. They would have to, to uh, throw on a Grafton High School. They would have probably been carrying guns looking to carjack people. But anyhow, if you're just tuning in, what happens is the other night, the Grafton police come upon a carload of kids, got a bunch of toilet paper in the car. They, they deny that they were going to do anything with it. The officer says, well, just don't go home. Uh, 40 minutes later, they get caught crawling through the bush with the toilet paper, heading for the school. They've now been cited. Was this appropriate? Tim in Brookfield. Tim, you're on WTFJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? Real well, thank you. Did the kids deserve this? Uh, it's hard for me to say. I mean, given the fact I had the exact same thing happen to me, so I feel, yes. <laughs> I mean, they did do uh, um, you know, something that enticed. From they got away on the first one. I mean, the officer's not dumb. He's sure he's fully aware of where they were going. So, <laughs> yeah. therefore, he, he just pretty much waited for the phone call and got it. And got them. You know. yeah. Okay, th- so, so this happened to you? Yeah. Um, as, as you said, I live in Brookfield. We did junior senior wars where we would toilet paper people's houses that we knew. And um, basically, we got pulled over. You know, we're driving around three at night. Like, <laughs> You know, our car is full of, like, you know, four huge family-sized bowls of toilet paper. Right. And, uh, yeah, he basically said, just go home. We didn't. Got caught in the middle of it and uh, <laughs> got prowling, and we actually got disorderly conduct, too. Oh, okay. So there was five of us total, so they kind of threw a book at us, but one of my friends kind of threw us into that scenario where we definitely deserved it. Yeah, that's it. But, but I mean, I guess you're, you're feeling, okay, we got the warning. We, he, he told us not yeah. to do this, and we go ahead and we did it anyway, so you got to kind of suffer the consequences. Absolutely. I mean, when it happened, like, I even told my dad, I remember that I was, like, scared, you know, I was, like, 
days. Oh my man, so much trouble. But he gave you a free bath and still went there, anyway. Yeah, and right. It's said, double stupid. You did it in the first place, and then you were too stupid to realize to not do it when they told you. Yeah. Right. All we had to do was wait till the next day. And it would have been just fine. <laughs> right. Oh. It, instead of twenty minutes later. No, thanks for the call. Um, let's see. I'll tell you where I come down in just a second. Joe in Appleton. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Okay. Did the police you know, officer overreact? I appreciate the last guy, and I don't necessarily disagree. But my only take is is that. It's an innocent prank that we've all, most all of us participated in mm-hmm. in our youth. And to scar them with something on their record at that point, I, I think it's taking a little too far. I would rather see them haul them down to the police station and call their parents and let them get a good scare at them that way. If they're, if they're good Brookfield kids, like those Milwaukee kids you were talking about, <laughs> that probably would do enough to go a long way for them. Yeah, no, thanks. Well, I get, here, here's the thing. I, I, um, I, I, I actually, I mean, I, I think they deserve to get the tickets because when I was a prosecutor, we used to call this kind of stuff felony dumb. You, you do, you get the get out of jail card free. The officer catches the guys. He knows what they're all about. He tells them, don't do this. And then, you know, they ignore him and then they go out and, and they get caught, you know, a half hour later doing it. That, that's sort of like, all right, adding insult to injury. They, they had their chance at the free pass, and they kind of blew it. And, and again, when I'm saying that you give them felony charges and throw them in jail, no, of course not. But I, I do think at some point in time, especially from the perspective of a police officer, I get it. You're sitting there saying, oh, for God's sake, I told these kids not to do this. I sent them on their way, and they completely and totally ignored me. At some point in time, I think you have to... I, I don't know, say I'm banging my head against a, a brick wall. I tried to help you out. I tried to give you the pass. I tried to look the other way. So I don't I don't have an issue with them handling it this way. It is a, this is not me. I'm gonna tell a story. It's 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 this did not happen to me. So this isn't one where I'm but it happened to people I know. <laughs> they um it actually, it man, I don't. It it, it 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 actually wasn't. It wasn't my friends particularly, but this is a a story that friends of mine told me about their kids. That that's kind of, and I don't want to go into any more identify detail of that. But um, they 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 for some reason they decided to like throw eggs. They they decided that they were going to go on a rampage of egging various houses, which is different and and just messier, of course, than. Um, than, than the toilet paper thing. So I'm not condoning that. I don't even know if I consider it a prank. But the idiots went to, like, the grocery store and bought, like, 20 dozen eggs at the same grocery store. So after the particular community gets egged, the cops, <laughs> I mean, they, they go to the different grocery stores. There's only a couple. This was a small town. There's only a couple grocery stores. They go to them and say, anybody come in and buy, you know, a whole bunch of eggs? And, and yes, they, they've got it on the surveillance cameras and stuff. There are these morons that are buying all these eggs there. It's kind of like, okay, it's one thing to do it. But, you know, if you're going to try not to get caught, can't you at least demonstrate some ability, some cleverness? And you know, when I heard about it, I my, my only conversation to one of the young men, my only comment was, look, take it from somebody who used to put a lot of people in jail. Don't turn to the criminal path because you're a really bad criminal. <laughs> this is really stupid. And, you know, the way you did it was really stupid. And really stupid criminals get caught. So my advice is stay in school, go in the military, do whatever. Because if you go down a life of crime, at least if this particular caper is any sort of indication 
you're going to be in a lot of trouble going forward. It's 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 158, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us following a series sweep of the Diamondbacks. The Brewers' homestand continues as they meet the Mets for a four-game weekend series at Miller Park. I'm going to the game tonight. Hall of Famer Bob Euchre is on the call. Our coverage starts at 6.35 this evening. If you can't get out to the ball game, be sure to tune in WTMJ. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, safety, safety is, of course, always a factor when you send your kids to school. As a general rule, school buses do not have seat belts. A government agency is now saying it may be time to change that. We're going to talk about that. What happened with regard to the summit in North Korea? Why is it that immigration continues to be a mess? And lots, lots more. Stick around. It's 159. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm being swamped with stupid criminal emails and texts. Here's one. Jeff, I'm a police officer. We once had a subject who burglarized his friend's house. He stole an extra large cheese ball container full of loose change, several hundred dollars worth. The next day, he went to a local bank and turned it into cash, carrying the same container. <laughs> Needless to say, he got caught, and it was actually, it was felony dumb. Hashtag felony dumb. Yes, those are the things that happen. Belinda, do you, um, I, I'm, I'm always intrigued by this change. Do you keep track of loose change? I mean, do you do you have a container when you I, change? I don't now, but I did once, and I saved, I had three vases, like mm-hmm. really big vases, and I saved over $1,000. Yeah, I, I just, I, it was, I mean, I've, I've told these stories before. Now, this is before I got married, because this has all changed, thanks to my, my wife. I used to have the, these big plastic jugs, and I would come home, and I would put the, the change in them, and I just let them accumulate, let them run, and then, you know, once every, like, two years, I would take them in. Yeah, it was the same thing. I It'd be, I, one time, 850 bucks or something like that. I mean, it's, it's amazing how that all adds up. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, when I would go on vacation or whatever, I would move them, like, hide them. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought if someone does come in and sees all this change, I mean... Seriously, over a grand. Right. Yeah. It's well. Okay. So what? See what's happened now. Now you're you're getting married soon. So you, this is what every year, my wife. During this is for for her grandkids. Now I guess my grandkids as well. She takes them on a trip. They go to the Wisconsin Dells for a couple of days, mm-hmm. and that, that's like their Christmas present. You know, they all get to, and and they all have a have a blast and stuff like that. And and one of the things she uses to underwrite this is like spare change. I mean, she'll put like this spare change in. It adds up. Well, she's now seen my, my spare change habit, so all my spare change now doesn't go to the Jeff Wagner, let's go to Las Vegas trip. It all goes, it just mysteriously disappears. I put it on the counter, and it mysteriously goes into some jar somewhere around the house that I know is going to be spent on taking the grandkids to um, to the Wisconsin Dells, which is which is fine, <laughs> but it's just like it's not. It's it's not going into a slot machine in Vegas, or it's not getting bet on a horse. It's going to some water park in 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 Vegas. So when you get married, Belinda, in advance, you might want to just kind of discuss what's going to happen with the spare change. I'm just saying. My fiance also collects spare change, so um, 
Yeah, he, he he thinks what what's mine is his, but was his isn't necessarily mine, and that includes me just grabbing some spare change. Oh, he's about to learn. He's about <laughs> to learn. I've seen this movie. Uh, he's in for a surprise, no doubt about that. All right, let us completely and totally switch gear. But I mean, this police officer's note just made me laugh. I mean, you break into your friend's house, you rip off your friend. You got a giant cheese ceramic cheese ball full of change. And you, you don't even think to take the chain. You take. You don't even think to get rid of the cheese ball. You show up at the bank where they have, by the way, surveillance cameras, and you cash it in. <clears throat> that is what we do call hashtag felony dumb. All right, here here's the story. And I was actually thinking about this because there were there were two events that kind of happened all at once. Yesterday there was the story of this this school bus, Hope Semper Christian School. Um, in in Milwaukee, were going on a day trip to the Wisconsin Dells. Um, they were struck. They were on their school bus. They were struck by a semi Wednesday, injuring twenty people aboard the bus. Four of them seriously. Um, you know, so they're on the school bus. A- according to the state patrol, crash was reported shortly around ten thirty I thirty nine near DeForest when the semi truck struck the rear of the bus which had pulled over to the side of the road after losing power. total of 33 people were aboard the bus, including five chaperones and the driver. Not all of those injured were students. Injured were taken to three hospitals. Two of the seriously injured were transported by um, helicopter. They say that the injuries um, are serious but not critical. Um, So, okay, so you, you get the idea. This is a school bus. It's pulled over to the side of the road. It gets hit. Um, And you have a handful of people who are injured. At the same time, the National Transportation Safety Board, a a panel came out yesterday and announced for the first time that they are going to recommend, and it's just a recommendation, that all new school buses, all new school buses be outfitted with um, seat belts and lap belts, you know, like seat belts and shoulder harnesses. So they're recommending that all school buses moving forward, all new ones, have, again, the shoulder harness, the thing that the same, the same setup that you have in your car, not just a lap belt, but a lap belt and a shoulder belt. Now, this is kind of interesting because most states, including Wisconsin, do not mandate that school buses have safety belts. There's a couple states that do, but most don't. Here's what the Wisconsin Department of Transportation says about seat belts on school buses. I'm quoting from their website now. Neither Wisconsin nor the federal government requires seat belts on school buses. There is concern that a lap belt only type seat belt may be harmful for young children in a crash. In deciding not to require seat belts, the built-in safety features of school buses have been taken into consideration. Namely, school buses are designed to take a great deal of impact, not to crush in the event of a rollover, and to cushion children with compartmentalization between the seats in the event of a crash or fast stopping. Seat belts are largely intended to prevent ejection from a vehicle, typically only children standing in the aisle or the bus driver are at a high risk of being ejected from a school bus. 
All right. So Wisconsin does not require buses to have safety seatbelts. Um, up until yesterday, the national traffic, the, the federal highway safety folks have not, they've stayed away from the issue. But now they've come out and they've recommended all new buses should have them. The estimate is, and it's kind of, it's, it's sort of a large range, but for, to put seatbelts and shoulder harnesses on new buses, they estimate it would cost somewhere between seven to $15,000 per bus, seven to $15,000. I have no idea how much it would cost or if it's even possible to retrofit, for example, existing school buses. But this recommendation just applies to all school buses moving forward. All right, let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should school buses, now we, we all, in passenger cars, you know, we, we all are taught, put on your seatbelt, put on the shoulder harness. Um, if you've got small kids, make sure they're in their safety-approved car seats. That rule does not apply to your typical school bus, Right. Should all school buses moving forward have safety belts? Or is this unnecessary given the fact that school buses are built differently than cars are, different concerns, and again, unless you're going to be standing up, you're probably not going to be ejected. Is it practical to expect that kids on school buses, um, where control is an issue to begin with, are going to stay belted in? And if they don't stay belted in, what is the driver to do? Is this realistic? Or is it necessary for safety? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a minute as well. It's 216. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Is it time to outfit all school buses with seat belts and, and shoulder harnesses? Essentially, that's the new recommendation coming out of the federal government. Wisconsin does not require it. Most states do not require it. Steve and Racine. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Steve. Hello. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? I think it should be mandated if they're going on the freeway, like say they're going to Green Bay or something. But uh, as far as home to school, I think the, the not needing seatbelts is okay. Um, but I work for a school bus company, and the new ones are coming with uh, seatbelts regardless. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses or just seatbelts? Not shoulder harness, not yeah. four points, just the standard seatbelts. Right, right. How um, are, do, 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 you, do, do you drive a school bus yourself? No, I'm a mechanic. Okay. How difficult do you think it would be to get kids to... I, 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 run, I wonder as a practical matter, you know, you've got a, uh, you've got a school bus full of kids. Um, you're the driver. Trying to control them is probably a challenge to begin with. What do you do if kids decide not to buckle up? I, I mean, and that's what I, I just find myself wondering if that's even practical. Well, it's not really practical in any means because the, the schools aren't really helping out with the drivers as far as right. discipline because it's still, you know, considered school properties per se. Right. So if, if something's going to be implemented, the schools definitely have to help out. Uh, the people that ride with have to get up and say something when they're not listening, so on. Right. So forth. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, it, it, it's, look, I guess here's where I come down on this. Um, with all due respect to this national safety panel, I, I'm not convinced that this is the best way to go. Uh, again, historically, the general attitude has been that 
buses are, are built differently than cars. And, I mean, the, the real reason you have the seat belts is to stop you from being, you know, thrown through the windshield or ejected from the cars. And, and that that doesn't come into play with school buses that have different safety and different construction matters that are there. Secondly, I, again, as I was just talking about with Steve, I question what the um, – I, I question what's going on with regard to how, how do you how do you enforce this? You get the school bus full of kids, and kids decide that they they don't want to put the seatbelts on. Are you going to stop the bus every time some kid decides to do that? You know, in addition, and I know that this might be kind of an alarmist thing. There's a number of bus drivers that are saying that that first of all they're concerned that if they need to evacuate the bus, it, it's going to be an issue. If you got to evacuate the bus or get these kids off especially young kids, plus the other reality is on school buses, um, lap and shoulder belts hit people at, at different levels, which is why, for example, in Wisconsin, you've got the requirements of, of car seats for you know certain age kids and certain size kids. And, I mean, I'm wondering, you know, is this a one-size-fits-all thing? If you've got, you know, really small children, like six- or seven-year-olds, you know, wh- where is the lap belt going to hit them? How do you get them buckled in? And is it really necessary, especially if it's going to cost seven to fifteen thousand dollars per bus, which is not an insignificant expense? If it saves kids, I think it's important to do it. And there have been a couple very high-profile collisions involving school buses and things like semis over the years. But I don't know that the seatbelts are necessarily going to make the kids safer. What I think they might do is give people a false sense of security regarding safety. All right, when we come back, Milwaukee Alderman Bob Donovan asks some questions that other members of the Common Council should be asking about Sterling Brown and the whole situation. I will share with you Alderman Donovan's latest statement, and um, my one-word response to at least much of it would be amen. Stick around. It's 223 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Milwaukee Alderman Bob Donovan uh, ran unsuccessfully for mayor last time Tom Barrett was reelected. I, I freely admit, I'm a fan of Bob Donovan. When I used to do TV, I, I, I'd have him on as a guest frequently. I, I think Donovan, while I don't agree all the time, he's one of these guys who's not afraid to ask the questions. He has just come out with a statement. I want to share it with you. I joined my colleagues and most individuals who have viewed the body cam video of the arrest of Sterling Brown in noting how disturbing it is. Any use of force incident caught on camera is disturbing to average people. I wish the entire episode could have been avoided, and I believe it could have been had cooler heads prevailed. That said, I'm disappointed that Mr. Brown has apparently decided to file a lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee over this matter. It is highly ironic that a multimillionaire player on a team that has been given hundreds of millions in taxpayer dollars to build a Taj Mahal new arena is taking this action. And the team itself is also cooperating and supporting Mr. Brown in this endeavor, suing a city that is flat broke. Hmm. Like my colleagues, this is Donovan, I share concerns about the number of officers who responded to the scene back in January. To me, it appears that every officer assigned to patrol my district, this was his district, was there, even though the first officer at the scene requested just one backup. I have serious concerns about officer supervision that night and why so many officers responded. Fair question. As I've said before, I'm pleased to have those officers there patrolling the area because it has had serious crime problems for years, including drugs and prostitution, 
overdoses, armed robberies, car thefts, and more. I've been asking MPD for increased presence at that location because Walgreens has been hit by numerous armed robberies over the year. The way Mr. Brown's vehicle was parked could easily have been perceived by the cops as a getaway car. I further join my colleagues and wholeheartedly agree that we need to be transparent. And in the interest of transparency, I have a few questions. This is Bob Donovan. Question number one. With so many officers on the scene, why did it become necessary to tase Mr. Brown? That is a fair question. Number two. We hear that officers were suspended in connection with this incident, and I'd like to know what matters of law or procedure the officers violated. Fair question. Three, when an officer issues a lawful order, in this case, take your hands out of your pockets, what recourse does an officer have when the subject doesn't comply? Fair question. I'm not a police officer, so I'm honestly asking this question as a civilian. Four, This may be a touchy subject, but once again, in the interest of transparency, what role, if any, did this mystery woman who was in the passenger seat of Mr. Brown's vehicle play in this whole episode? What steps, if any, has MPD taken to downplay her role or even remove her presence from videos? Hmm. In addition, what role, if any, did the woman's presence on the scene play in prolonging this incident? After all, most people are viewing this incident as a parking violation, but was it considered more than that? Five, with eight or ten officers present at the scene, there must be additional body cam video available. If there is more video available, what does it show, and why hasn't it been shown to the public? Six, What steps, if any, were taken to delay the release of this video until after the Bucks' appearance in the NBA playoffs? Hmm. Seven. Again, in the interest of transparency and fair disclosure, what negotiations, if any, may have gone on between the Bucks and MPD regarding the entire matter? As I've said, there are still many questions that need answers, and I am hoping we can get some of those answers sooner rather than later. All of the questions that Donovan raises are, in my opinion, fair questions about this incident. And it goes back to what I said at the start of the 1 o'clock hour. So far, the way the police chief, the new police chief, and the mayor, and the city of Milwaukee have handled this entire thing going back to January can be described in four words. Not ready for prime time. Prime time is, of course, one word. And Donovan is calling out a lot of these various questions What exactly was going on here? Um, What was the role of the mystery woman? Why aren't people talking about this? And again, as I said earlier, I I don't I didn't see anything in the video which would justify the use of, of a taser. But I think there's a lot more to this story that is not coming out. And you wonder why that would be. It's 2.30. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Belinda Bavinick. Thank you, Jeff. We're now learning that three Milwaukee police officers were suspended after the arrest and tasing of Milwaukee Bucks player Sterling Brown. The Journal Sentinel says that the first police officer who confronted Brown was suspended for two days. Two supervising officers who came to the scene later received 15 and 10-day suspensions while other officers were reprimanded. 
A deadly fire in Franklin. The fire was in an apartment complex near 35th and College Avenue. It is now out. The medical examiner says the victim was an elderly woman. President Trump's letter to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un was dictated by the president to his national security advisor, John Bolton. This according to Republican Senator Cory Gardner, who met with Bolton at the White House today, just hours after President Trump announced he was withdrawing from a planned summit with Kim next month. Time now for the WTMJ Drake and Associates market update. At this hour, the Dow is down 52 points at 24,834. The Nasdaq up eight points at 7434. S&P is down three points at 2730. WTMJ Pella, WI.com, time saver traffic, no major accidents, travel times looking good. 94 inbound highway 16 to the zoo will take you 10. Zoo to the downtown, a seven minute ride. 45 southbound, Highway Q to the zoo. 15, Good Hope Road to the zoo. 10, 94 inbound to Leighton to the Marquette. Smooth sailing, that is a seven-minute trip. Milwaukee's only station staff for breaking news, weather, and traffic. If you see trouble on the roads, call the WTMJ HaulCars.com traffic tip line at 414-203-8100. The WTMJ 5-day forecast today, mostly Today, actually, mostly sunny and warm. Slight chance of thunderstorms, high 80. Friday, mostly partly cloudy, warm, a little humid. Slight chance of thunderstorms, high 83. Saturday, partly cloudy, humid. Chance of showers and thunderstorms, high 78 by the lake, 83 inland. Right now in Oak Creek, it is 75. Germantown, 80. In Milwaukee, it's 76 degrees. I'm Belinda Bavinick, News Radio, WTMJ. And I'm Jeff Wagner. Coming up next... Can you imagine being 30 years old and living in your parents' basement? Really? <laughs> Belinda, you laugh. <laughs> I mean, really, can you imagine being 30 years old, living in your parents' basement, and then when they tell you to get out, you refuse to go? Oh, yes, we're going to talk about that. Stick around. It's 2.35. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Harley-Davidson has its plans set for the 115th anniversary celebration here in Milwaukee this summer. Check out all the info by texting the word Harley to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. Gru, who's producing the show. I'm willing to bet that Elton John is not going to be headlining this. Now, that, that was kind of before your time, but you remember all that story about the Elton John? For the Harley 100th, if you're new to the area, they, they made a big deal. They had this big celebration, people coming in from all over. It was a very cool event, and they had... they. they it was a big secret. Who is going to play? Who's going to be the headliner on the last day of the Harley celebration? And people were thinking they're bringing in the Rolling Stones or they're bringing in uh, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, it was talk like that. And it, it turns out to be Elton John. Now, Elton John, I think, is a great entertainer. I've seen Elton John in person. But Elton John and and drunken bikers, it's not necessarily the Elton John doesn't headline Sturgis, if you know what I mean. And so that that last day, it was it was raining, um, it was crummy weather, and you know people are waiting and waiting and waiting, and then it turns out to be Elton John, and the crowd got genuinely ugly there. And it, but it, but part of it was Harley's fault because if if they would have just announced, oh Elton John's going to be the headliner, they would have had a good crowd, and I'm sure people would have had fun and stuff. But people thought they were going to get the Rolling Stones or Bruce Springsteen, and you know you get you get Elton John, and it was just it was a bad mix. I doubt I doubt that Elton John will be playing the 115th anniversary. All right, let, let me kind of back into this story. I um 
went through college in three and a half years and came back and was in Milwaukee. Um, I, I got out of college like in, in December. I graduated December of whatever year that was. And I, I went to work in Milwaukee and I worked nine months before I went to law school. Um, one of, and, and I, I had a good relationship with my parents. I, I just, um, I, I, you know, it, it wasn't like I had abusive parents or anything like that. I had good, loving parents and, um, my mom in particular was just a special, special woman. But after three and a half years of college, I, I came back and one of the first things I did, well, the first thing I did was I found a job. That was number one. And then the second thing I, I did was I, I found one of my very close friends, Steve, and I. We moved out. <laughs> you know, I just we 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 got a we got an apartment. We had a townhouse out off of like 60th and Good Hope and stuff. And it was because, gosh, at the time I was probably I don't know whatever you are when you get 21, 22 years old, and I just didn't see living at home. And I just and it wasn't that I had a bad relationship with my parents or anything, but I just wanted to be on my own. I'd been on my own at college and. You know, as an adult, when you live in your parents' house, you know, your parents have, you know, they've got their different rules and they expect you to be in at a certain point in time. And it's not like I was a wild child or anything, but I just, after being on my own in college, I just didn't want to live at my parents' house anymore. It had nothing to do with my parents. I had a great relationship with them. And so I, I moved out again when I came back from college and, you know, never, just never ever looked back. And I think for a lot of people, even if you have a great relationship with your parents, that, that's kind of it. You just get to a certain point in your life, and maybe it's not when you're 21 or 22, maybe it's when you're 25, but at some point in time you decide, okay, it, it's time to go out on your own. If nothing else, I mean, if nothing else, living at mom's and dad's, if you are dating, kind of crimps your style. I mean, can we just kind of like put that out? You know, you're out on a date, and it's like, hey, you want to come back to my place? Well, I can't because you know, mom and dad are watching the Tonight Show or whatever. It's just you know it just it crimps your style, which brings me to the most bizarre story of the week. The guy's name is Michael Rotondo, and perhaps you you saw this because he is getting his fifteen minutes of fame. He lives in in upstate New York, at ten miles west of Syracuse, um, and he has been living at his parents' home, apparently most, if not all, of his life. His parent he's 30 years old. He's, he's not working now. Um, and his parents, about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, <clears throat> said, okay, it's time, son, to get on with your life. We need you to, you, you got to move out. you you got to leave. And he said, I'm not leaving. So what they did is they essentially served him with a, an eviction notice telling him, You've got to get out. And he refused to leave. So then they sought legal counsel. They served him with another notice, um, and he refused to leave. At one point in time, they said, I'm here. Tell you what we're going to do. We will give you 1100 bucks. Get out. You know, you use that 1100 bucks as, as like first month's rent or last month's rent or, or whatever. You, you've got to leave. And the kid's still kid. He's 30 years old. Um, he still refused to go. And so ultimately the parents then had to take the, the 30-year-old man to court to get him evicted. And this is, of course, the story that is now, to use the cliche, it's gone viral. You know, he spends 30 minutes arguing with the judge 
about why he doesn't think his parents should be able to evict him from their home. And after 30 minutes, the judge says, nope, you, you, you got to go. <laughs> You're, you know, you, you got to get out. At which point in time, unsatisfied, the guy then starts doing interviews. And maybe you've seen him. He was on CNN. He's been on a number of these shows talking about how terrible his, his parents are, how it, it's awful that they would, you know, compel him to leave, how, you know, he, he doesn't want to live there anymore, but he needs time to get his affairs in order. He's 30 years old. Um, so he doesn't think they should be able to toss him out. All right, our numbers, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I know that there are people out there who have welcomed their adult children back into their homes. And, and maybe it's maybe it's because... I don't know, the kids are trying to get their feet on the ground and you've got big student loans or something like that. Maybe it's because, I don't know, you, you've got, it's sort of maybe, maybe you know, dad has passed away, mom is on her own, the kid moves back, and it's a good situation because he can live there and pay rent and help out. And so I, I understand that that happens from time to time. But 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you believe that adult children should have essentially a right to come and live with their parents? And again, I I understand that there might be circumstances where, you know, you as mom or dad decide that you're going to open your home to your adult child. I, I get it that that could happen. But do adult children, is there a point in time where, you know, kids no longer just have the right to stay at home? I mean, is there a time where they have to go out on their own? 414-799-1620. This guy, at the age of 30, thought that his parents should be legally obligated to allow him to continue to live at home. He wasn't paying rent or anything like that either, but he thought he should have a right to live at home. What do you think? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave downtown. Dave, good afternoon. What alternative universe is this gentleman living in? I mean, I mean, I'm the same way. I moved out when I was 18 and a half, not because I just want to be my own. I yeah. wanted to be, you know, just see if I could do it. But I'm like, when he, he, I just it, it baffles my mind that, that somebody would really think that they're entitled as an adult to live forever in their parents' home. Well, 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 right. And dude, number one, that you'd want to. And with, with all due respect to every parent out there, I mean, number one, that you'd want to. And number two, that you think that you have a right to do it and that mom and dad don't have the right to boot your, you out when they get sick of you being there. I mean, and, and 30, it's not like a transitioning period. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm at 22, 23. I just got my degree. I'm out of college. I'm, I'm trying to get my life together. You're right. 30 years old. Right, right. I, I, you know, my, it's, it's funny. I was talking about this story with my wife today, and she said, well, God, who, who, would, who would marry a guy like this? And I said, well, I, I don't think there's probably too many. <laughs> yeah, this wouldn't exactly be the ideal catch to, you know, to bring home to mom and dad. Look, here's, uh, here's Michael. Look, he's, you know, he's 30 years old. He's still living at home. He's unemployed. No, I don't think this guy is, would be exactly a great catch. He's just a moocher. Yeah, th- th- no, he is. Right. No, that's thanks. It, it, it is, he is an absolute moocher. Now, look again. I I understand. Again, the parents. There, there might be a circumstance where you say, "Okay, here, I, I want you. I want you to live at home." 
you know, feel free. Now, I, I do think in situations like that, like paying rent and stuff like that would be a good idea, but that you leave it up to individual families. But in this particular case, mom and dad had had enough. And I think they realized that their kid, moocher, bum, whatever, and I, I think they started to realize, look, we don't want this kid here. We, we, we've got it. It's tough love. You know, you got to go out on your own, pal, and you got to figure out how you're going to make this in this world. And we're sorry. We love you. But, you know, just sticking around and mooching from us at the age of 30 because there's nothing that says if they don't do this. And, and what, what self-respecting person would then, number one, fight their parents, make them go through an eviction order, and then after you lose, decide that you're going to make the rounds. You're going to do interviews on television. I mean, seriously, have you no sense of shame at all? Let's talk to Barbara in Milwaukee. Barbara, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Barbara. Okay, Hi. Your, eight, your, your kid is 30 years old and doesn't want to leave your house. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, this is Barb the People Pro. Hi, Barb. No kid of mine would still be in the house at 30 years old. <laughs> no way. And I'll tell you, my rule, and, and both of my kids moved home temporarily after college. Just to get their feet on the ground, they were both working two jobs. They were paying school loans. Hey, I don't mind helping a kid that's working really hard. The kid laying on the couch? I don't think so. The couch and the kid are going. <laughs> yeah, and then, then it, to me, again, so that's one aspect of it. But then the flip side is, what sort of kid have you raised that when you tell him, hey, you you got to get out, you got to leave, he says, nope, I have a right to stay here. And, you know, I, I, I'll move out some point in time, but I'm not ready to do it yet. Well, if you're not ready by 30, who knows when you're going to be ready? Well, maybe 45. Maybe. But, but I think, Jeff, the issue is obviously these parents enabled this kid for years. Yep. Because he not only stayed there and just moved. And I think, didn't he say at one point, you know, I, don't, I didn't have to do chores or do anything. I just lived there. Oh, yeah, he doesn't pay rent, doesn't do anything. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what kind of kids did they raise that not only has that mindset, but like you say, will go public with it? Yeah, he's I proud of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thanks. I mean, he, he's he's proud of it. That's my friend, Barb. When we used to do TV, she was one of our regular guests. Uh, Dave in Menominee Falls. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Hey, just wanted to let you know that at 17 years old, I put my I got myself a bachelor's degree on my own. I went and got a master's degree on my own. Didn't count on anybody doing that. I paid all my everything back. Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous, and I can't even imagine that we're spending time on a thirty-year-old right. doing this. Right? Who, who's who's suing his parents? No, no. Thanks for the call. I mean. Who, who's who's actually had the audacity to sue the parents? But I mean, I, one of the reasons I was interested in this case because it's so it sounds so ridiculous on its face. But you you wonder. I mean, I I think you you could have found uh, again some bleeding heart judge who would have said, well, okay, maybe that there is an entitlement. And what does that mean for parents who want the the kids out? Um, let's see. I have an interesting text here. At Christmas break, my son's senior year of college, I told him when he gets home for summer. He's going to need to organize his room. His response was, Mom, you act like I'm coming back home to live. It broke my heart for a minute, quickly replaced by relief. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy, yeah, it's like, okay. Um, you know, I, I think that was probably my parents' reaction as well. My mom was, okay, well, 
All right, good. You're 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 going on. We don't need to keep that room. That's not your bedroom anymore. I, I can't tell you. Once I moved out for the first time, there there was no wistfulness. It was sort of like, okay, that became my mom's sewing room. <laughs> hey, Jeff, we love you, but boom, you know, you're out the door. There there is just a certain point in time where you you, you got to go. And again, I I understand you can come back, and there might be certain occasions where you know somebody's sick or there's a health issue or or whatever, and families have to live together. But in this particular case. When mom and dad say it's time to go, I think it's time to go. 249, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1252, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's one of my favorite texts of the day. The, the kid, the 30-year-old who didn't want to leave home, texter writes, I have the same problem with my parents. I bought the house from my parents. I said, you're free to live here until you find a place to live. Three and a half years later, they're still here. How do you evict mom and dad? Yeah, that's kind of one of those things. Um, we, we might open up the phone lines on it tomorrow, but I, I just wanted to offer one comment before I turn it over to John and uh, Melissa. The, the, the news today, of course, is that this summit between South Korea and North Korea and the United States is at least for the moment off. And I understand that there's some people who just don't want to see President Trump get credit for everything, and they're kind of glad about this. Here, here's what I think happened. At, at the summits, I, not that much gets done. What happens is, typically at summits is everything gets done beforehand. All the people work out the treaties. A lot of the stuff is, is agreed to in advance. So you have all that that's done in advance, and the leaders show up, and they talk to each other, and they get to meet each other, and they sign off on these agreements. What happened is North Korea decided to start, for whatever reason, that they started to ghost both uh, South Korea and the United States. You know, the advanced teams go there. They're trying to work on treaties or whatever, and North Korea doesn't show up for that. So rather than, you know, go to a summit where nothing is going to be accomplished, President Trump has said, okay, we're not going to do this for the time being. Um, agreeing to meet was the right thing. And then not going through with this, given the fact that you get no commitments up front from North Korea, that is also the right thing. Hopefully, North Korea will come around at some point in time. For the people that didn't want to see Donald Trump get any credit for anything, I, I hope they're they're happy. Bottom line is, for world peace, I, I hope ultimately North Korea decides to go back to the negotiating table. It's 2.54. In just a couple minutes, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around.